so thankful to be in the house of the Lord again tonight. Amen. I did see a little bit of the news today. Forgive me. And uh, I got to be honest with you, my heart has been troubled. And um, I said the other night, I said, our competition is not each other. We're not competing against each other. Just don't tell that to the Bible quizzers, but we're not competing against each other. And we're sure not competing against the devil. We're not competing against sin. Sin is not our enemy. Time is the only thing that we're racing against right now. That's our only competition is time. The devil can't stop an apostolic church. The devil can't stop a praying church. And I just began to cry and began to pray this afternoon as I did see a little bit of the news and and just began to pray and say, Jesus, I want you to come quickly. I hope I'm wrong, but it almost seems like our world has gone beyond the point of no return. And in that moment, we need Jesus to return. Because a world that is on fire needs a church with a stronger fire. The fire of the Holy Ghost. If you saw any of the news today, you can tell our world is on fire right now. And they need a church that is on fire for God. I've had this just sickness to my stomach over the last few hours and especially over the last moments when I saw a news clip a video um, there have there's been crazy things happening and I'm not going to go into all the detail but I don't know all the details I don't know any of the details in fact but but people that have stormed into our nation's capital and I saw a news clip of a woman being shot in the throat in our nation's capital and they just reported that that lady has died Do you know how unprecedented that is that there are guns being fired in our nation's capital and people dying in our nation's capital? We are in unprecedented times. Matthew chapter 9 and verses 35 through 38. Jesus, scripture says, went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues preaching the gospel of the kingdom preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people because remember last night if you were here the equation for the miraculous Jesus said is to go and to preach to go and spread the gospel And when you do those two things, he said, the miraculous will follow. And he is the great example for that. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And he said to his disciples... 
The harvest truly is plentiful. (laughs) But the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. What I love about Jesus is when he, he sees a multitude of people, a bunch of misfits, if you will, like us, before we were saved by his wonderful grace. It says he saw the multitude scattered and weary like sheep with no shepherd. But he saw the opportunity. He said, the harvest is great. There's a harvest here. And watch what he said. Don't pray for the harvest. The harvest is great. Pray for the laborers. The laborers are few. Pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Tonight, I just give you part two of where we preached last night about apostolic opportunity. I want to pray, Lord, I love you and I thank you for this marvelous week, spiritual emphasis, a week where we have come together for such a time as this, gathered from every walk of life, unified in your spirit, bringing our differences together, joining together the body of Christ. We are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, but you are the chief cornerstone. And I pray one last time for this week that you would deliver your word, not just my word, but your word through my voice, that we would hear what thus saith the Lord, that we would know the truth and the truth would make us free. And I pray that you would send forth laborers into the harvest for such a time as this. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said amen. You may be seated. I just feel really burdened right now, and uh, forgive me for making you feel uncomfortable for a moment. That's sort of my job, but I just can't go forward. We need to just pray one more time, and you can stay sitting if you feel like it. But I just want to pray right now for the harvest, for just a moment. This world is on fire, as I've already prefaced, and this world is looking for an answer. They don't know what answer they're looking for, but we are the answer through Jesus Christ. I want to pray right now for just a moment. As I spoke, a lost soul has died today in the nation's capital, and my heart is broken. I don't know who that person was. I don't know the agenda, the politics. I don't care if that person was full of the devil. A lost soul has been lost today in our nation's capital, capital, and my heart goes out to this world who is lost and dying without salvation. Can we take just a few seconds and pray for this harvest right now and pray that there would be laborers to rise up for this harvest in this end times in the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ, Lord, I feel just a burden tonight for lost souls. I feel a burden for for the harvest. But God, you didn't say pray for the harvest. You said pray for the laborers. Pray that laborers would be sent into the harvest. Lord, I pray right now that a spiritual burden would rest upon every heart and soul tonight. That you would lead us, Lord. That we would follow you. That we would respond to your word that we wouldn't just be church attendees but we would be the identity of the church the apostolic church
church. Lead us tonight, O Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, he taught them about the end times which you are living in tonight. He taught them about what would happen in 2021, the year that you are living in right now. Before he teaches them about eschatology, the the study uh, of the last things and last times and end times, before he got into all of that, he prefaced a foundation that is very essential for you to have today in your spirit. In verses 4, 5, and 6, he told them two simple things. Number one, he said, don't let anybody deceive you. Before I prophesy and teach you about the end times, you must know that people will try to deceive you. You must know that the atmosphere of the last days will be an environment of deception. Where it seems like you can't find the truth. (laughs) Don't be deceived, he says. That's never been more relevant than right now. I said it the other day. You can give me an article on this and I can give you ten other articles that refute your article. You can find whatever you want to say, whatever you want it to say. There will be a spirit of deception in the last days. And then in verse 6 he says, "And don't let anybody trouble you or in other words don't be afraid in other words the atmosphere of the last days will be an environment of fear there will be two things in the atmosphere of the last days and that is deception and fear he goes on and he says that all of these things now he's about to tell them what the things are he hasn't told them yet he said all of these things must Come to pass, but the end is not yet. I want you to keep that in mind. The end is not yet. He goes on and says, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, which I I think I talked about that word briefly the other night. The literal definition of that word is a fatal epidemic or disease. Uh, Pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All of these things are the beginning of sorrows. Here's where it gets really shaky for the church. Verse 9. Then, everybody say then. They shall deliver you up to be afflicted. They're going to come against the church. So he's already listed two entities. He's listed the planet, the earth. He's talked about the, the, uh, the ecology uh, of affliction, if you will. He's talked about how there's going to be um, famines, pestilences. He's talked about how there's going to be uh, different earthquakes and different storms of that sort. And, and that's in the planet. And then he talks about the world, the people that can consist of this planet. And he talks about wars and rumors of wars, nation against nation. But the third entity he brings up is the church. He goes from the planet to the world to the church. And points his finger at the church and says, they're going to come against you. And they're going to kill you. They're going to hate you of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and betray one another and shall hate one another. He's talking about the church. And many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold. But 
He that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. It doesn't say he that performs miracles will be saved or he that can sing the best will be saved or he that can point. No, no, no. It says he that endures. That's why I started the, 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 the first service of, well, Monday night service. I started talking about uh, walking in the spirit because the heroes are those who have endured unto the end, not who flash like a firework in the dark and, withered away moments later. He says, he that endures unto the end, the same shall be saved. Remember back in verse 6, he says, but the end is not yet. This is not the end. And then you go to verse 13, and he says, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And I can see the disciples sitting there kind of like I would be sitting there thinking, okay, but what is the end? And many of you know this verse. And he says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then the end shall come. <laughs> now, I'm not as smart as the rabbinic scholars of Myers and Myers. <laughs> so I'm not going to try to teach you pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. The point that Jesus is making is that he is post-revival. <laughs> pre-trib, post-trib, that's fine. I'm into it. I'd like to know. But what is most important is Jesus said, I'm post-revival. He said, the end is not the bad news. That's not going to be the final punctuation mark on my church. The end is not when U.S. citizens bust into the nation's capital and somebody loses their life. That's not the end. The end is not riots around the nation and the world. The end is not a global pandemic killing thousands of people. The end is not wildfires ravaging nations and continents. No, the end is not earthquakes and famines and wars and rumors of wars. The end is not when your political figure didn't get elected or the end is not when, when your agenda didn't get uh, exalted. And the end is not when this happened and that happened. He said, don't let that define the end for you. Yes, it might be mixed in. And yes, it might be the tear with the wheat. And, and yes, it might be a sign of the times and it might be the beginning of sorrows he said but this is not going to define the end of my bride <laughs> he said the end of my church the end of this dispensation is only going to take place when my gospel of the kingdom has been preached in all the world as a witness unto all nations. Then and only then will I allow the end to come. John the Revelator was used mightily on the island of Patmos and gave us 
22 chapters of revelatory vision from God. And seven times God speaks to seven churches. And seven times it's recorded. Let he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. To the church. Everybody say, to the church. The Spirit is speaking to the church. I'm going to stop right there for a moment and make sure you really believe that. The Holy Ghost is speaking to the church. I've approached this pulpit several times already this week thinking, man, ah, this is a crazy word, God. I'm going to be walking out on thin ice. I mean, my God, look at that subtitle I got. That's crazy enough. I'm tired of going to church. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what in God's name, Lord? What are you doing? Why are you giving me this? And, and then I meet up with the Myers and they say, man, this is so much confirmation. We've been talking about this. And I'm just like, phew. I was ready to meet him for dinner last night and say, okay, man, we're going to cut this revival short. We're, we're calling somebody else, calling an audible. They say, man, this is confirmation. I had several people come to me last night and then tonight before I even came to the pulpit and, and, and said, man, Brother Green, God has been dealing with me about these same things that, 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 that he, he's been using you to preach. And here I am thinking, man, God, is this what the, you really want me to say this to the church? Because it's not me. The Spirit is speaking to the church. The Holy Ghost is speaking to somebody. Uh, you didn't just come for a little spiritual emphasis week uh, to try to get a little Holy Ghost steroids to get you through the year. No, you didn't come on the first week of 2021 to make some sort of apostolic spiritual New Year's resolution. No, you came here to get a word from the Lord and God has been speaking to you. The Spirit is speaking to the church. So now I ask this question, if the Spirit of God is speaking to the church, who is speaking to the world? The world can't hear the Spirit of the Lord. Only His bride can hear the Spirit. Only those that have been born again of the water and of the Spirit can hear what thus saith the Lord. We are the vessels of His truth, His direction, His plan, His purpose. We are His chosen vessels for such a time as this. The Spirit is speaking to the church, so we must go. Go forth and speak to the world. Just lift your hands up in the name of Jesus and just take a moment and pray and say, God, disturb me until I speak to the world. Lord, use me to speak to the world. Bring me to a hungry soul. Bring me to a hungry heart, God. Let me be anointed of your spirit to speak unto the world. And although I'm broken in my spirit about what's taking place in our world, Jesus said, the end will come when even those 
that seems so far from me, they're going to hear. It doesn't say they'll all receive, but they're going to hear this truth. One way or another, they're going to hear. Whether he uses this church or somebody else, going to hear this truth. Whether he finds an apostolic amongst the Pentecostals, <laughs> or he's got to raise one up in a Catholic church, he's going to find somebody that says, I will go. If we don't worship him, the scripture says the rocks are going to cry out. And I think the same truth can be spoken of those who witness for him. If we don't witness for him, he'll raise up rocks. He'll form somebody else. But I don't know about you. I've made up my mind. You're not going to pick another vessel. You're going to pick me. You're going to use me. I want to go. God, if you deny me, don't let it be from my delay. If you deny me and choose somebody else, please don't let it be because I delayed to go. I hope you find my hand to the plow, my knees to the floor and my face to the altar, praying and interceding and travailing. The greatest program that we'll ever have in 2021 is a prayer room full of apostolic believers. We've got other programs we're going to talk about. I may introduce one tonight. But the greatest program is a prayer room full of apostolic, hungry apostolic believers who are ready to go and march and fight and do whatever God has called them to do. Jesus speaks. It's written in the gospel of Matthew 10. I referenced it last night and let us go deeper tonight for just a moment. I got to hurry. Jesus said, as you go, he didn't say if you go, <laughs> as you go, this is a given. I'm not hoping you go. He said, when you go, preach, say it again, everybody preach. That means just share the gospel with somebody, share it with them. Verse eight, heal the sick. Everybody say it with me. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, so freely give. Verse 14, whosoever shall not receive you, there's the prophecy you need to digest right now. You will be rejected. Can you handle it? There's times, and my wife knows, there's times that I just need affirmation. I think it was a, a couple months ago, for some reason, we were having a conversation about being on a stranded island, you know, and one of those topics about what would you miss the most, you know, on a stranded island, or what would be your biggest struggle? And she was talking about, man, finding food. <laughs> How would I find food, you know? I told her, I said, yeah, my biggest struggle would be, you know, I wouldn't have anybody there to pat me on the back and say, good job. <laughs> You're still alive. <laughs> You're still going. You made it. <laughs> But Jesus prophesies, you're not always going to have the affirmation of the world. But you will have the validation of heaven. 
While they reject me, just remember, he's up there saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. He said, when they do not receive you, not if, when they do not receive you or hear your words, and when you depart out of the house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Verse 16, behold, I send. Everybody shout, send. I reiterate that word in the Greek is apostelos, where we would get the term apostolic, which means the sent ones. You're Pentecostal when you come to church and receive the Holy Ghost like they received on the day of Pentecost and are baptized in Jesus' name like they were on the day of Pentecost. But you're not apostolic until you are a sent one. And Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into the field. I send you as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore as wise as serpents, harmless as doves. But beware! Beware of men, which is not just men. It's people. Beware of people. The hardest part about this job is you're dealing with people. But they will, watch this now, deliver you up to the councils. Remember, Jesus prophesies about the end times and he says, and then they will deliver you up to be afflicted. Now he's prophesying here to his disciples and saying, they're going to arrest you. They're going to bring you to the councils and they will scourge you in their synagogues and you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake. Watch this. For a testimony. We're going to have testimony service tonight. Who would like to testify? Oh, I want to testify, Pastor. I got the promotion, and I got the job, and I got the raise, and I got the car, and I got the house, and I got the dog, and I got the husband, and I got this. He said, you're going to have a testimony about being beaten and arrested. We're going to have a testimony service tonight. Man, I can't even stand up, Pastor. I got beat today for sharing the gospel. Someone got to stand up for me. (laughs) For a testimony against them and the Gentiles. Can I read that verse in the New Living Translation? I'm preaching about apostolic opportunity. And the New Living Translation, verse 18, reads it like this. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. I hope your mind's about to be blown. Enough to the point somebody at least gives me a head nod up in here. It feels like a midweek Bible study right now. He said, when you are arrested, scourged, beaten that's your opportunity to tell them about me you want the revelation there's some people you'll never get an audience with unless you're in their territory and some people's territory just happens to be your persecution And if we're all, oh Jesus, if we're always running from the persecution, we're not going to be in their territory, which means we won't have an opportunity to tell them. Don't 
you speak in the name of Jesus again. What are you doing witnessing to my family? What are you doing talking like that in school? Beating you down. And when you get a breath. Hey, can I tell you about Jesus? You think I'm crazy? There was this one man. He was a pretty good man. In fact, he was so good, he didn't have any sin in his life. But yet, they persecuted him and crucified him anyways. This man was so good that while nails are in his hands and nails are in his feet, a crown of thorns on his brow, blood coming out, they stab him in the side with a spear. And yet he says, I've got an opportunity. Hey, thief. Today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Hey, I didn't see you at any of my Bible studies. This is the first time I've seen you on a cross. He looks down at a Roman soldier. Father, forgive this man. Doesn't know what he's doing. Never had a chance to pray for you, son. You weren't at any of my gatherings. I didn't see you when I fed the thousands. I didn't see you on Mount Olive. But here we are on this mountain, Calcutta. This is the first time I've had a chance to pray for you. Let me pray for you. Father, forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. Scripture says that man received the revelation. That Roman soldier received the revelation of who Jesus was while Jesus prayed for him in his apostolic opportunity. He potentially saved two souls on his way to the tomb. This might be the greatest opposition I've ever faced, but this looks like the greatest opportunity me and you have ever had. Jesus said, this will be your opportunity. Verse 19, and when they deliver you up, take no thought of how or what you shall speak. This is our problem right now. Our insecurity of we don't know how. Especially, and I know it's different in Florida, but especially during a time like we're in right now with COVID, with everything's got to be politically correct. Everybody has such a thin shell. Everybody gets offended so easily. How? During social distancing and this and this and this and this. How can we go to the world? And then if we got, what would we do and what would we say? He says, as long as you sit right there in your confusion, you're going to be eaten up and held hostage by fear. But the moment you go like this, I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you what to say. And I'm going to show you how it's all going to be laid out. 
was praying right here with, with Brother Richie. We were praying together and I was praying, God, anoint us, anoint us. And the Lord just gave me this vision and the Holy Ghost says, I'm praying right here. And the Lord said, as long as you're sitting, you're being held back by fear. Fear will not leave you as long as you stay still. You can pray against it all you want. Fear, get off of me. Fear, get out of here. No, no, no. As long as you sit still in that place of comfort, it won't leave. He said, the way fear leaves is when you get up and start walking in faith. told him last night about my wife and I being, I mean, divinely intervened of the Lord to go back to Oregon when we didn't have the money, didn't have the finance, didn't have anything, the logistics, didn't have anything. We had gone through what seemed like a hell on earth, a storm. And, and God turned us around and said, go back to Oregon just a few months back with all the COVID stuff and all the riots and all the wildfires and everything going on. And God said, there's a revival yet. There's a revival there in Oregon. You got to go back to Oregon. And I'm thinking, God, what are you doing? And all the ministers, including myself, we're hunkered down and we're hiding out because of COVID social distancing and riots and chaos and everything else. And we're hiding out. I'm having family calling me while they're there's uh, riots and bombing going off downtown Portland and, and we're staying right outside of Portland. I, I've got family calling me, friends calling me saying, man, I hope you're safe. Please don't go outside. And I'm thinking, yeah, you're right. I need to play it safe. And then the Lord spoke to me and said, the revival you're looking for is not here in the church. It's out there in the world. And I'm thinking, yeah, I guess I got to wait until all this passes by, huh? God says, no, you got to go right now. This is your opportunity. And then the Lord gave me this verse of scripture. He says, you don't need to worry about how to do it or what to say. If you'll start walking by faith, I'll show you what to do. I told pastor last night, I said, we were driving down the road and we see this huge park in the middle of I mean, the most strict lockdown in North America, in Oregon. And there's hundreds of teenagers and young adults at this skate park and this baseball field and this soccer field and these parks all together. And they're not wearing masks. They're not social distancing. Their parents are out there. They had some uh, patrol officers walking around. They didn't care that they weren't social distancing. And and God just kind of gave me that, that direction and said, there you go, right there. I thought, okay, but what do I do? And I was so embarrassed. You know why? Because at that point, I had been a full-time preacher for eight years and a part-time soul winner. Or really, a no-time soul winner, really. I, I had never, and maybe if I helped win a soul, so to speak, I know that's not really a biblical term, but maybe if I helped bring somebody to salvation, the only time it was, was in the comfort of a church like this. We need to see that. But the Lord is speaking to me saying, no, the greatest miracles are out there in the face of opposition. And I I couldn't think back to where one time in eight years I've personally impacted a soul outside of church like this. And so I don't know how to do it. And so God, I said, God, I'm stepping out by faith. And the moment I said that, the Lord told me what to do. And it was the most simplistic idea that ever came to my mind. God said, ice chest, go get an ice chest. All right, Walmart, ice chest, done. (laughs) Get a neon sign, okay, got a neon sign. I'm thinking, what am I gonna write on this sign? I mean, I'm praying, the Lord's giving me all this. I'm not smart enough to think ice chest. (laughs) I'm not smart enough to think poster board. And then the word I wrote on the poster board, I'm really not smart enough. God said, write free 
One word, huge, bold, free. Then I went and got Rice Krispie Treats. <laughs> Bunch of drug dealers out here. I'm going to be the Rice Krispie Treat dealer. I'm sorry. I'm just being real. We're in Portland. They're all high. They got the munchies. They're hungry. They want some Rice Krispie Treats. Can I get a head nod? Or one person say, I once was high, but now I'm found. <laughs> Come on. I bring out this box of Rice Krispie Treats, and my wife can tell you, I was nervous. I don't get nervous when I come into the pulpit. You know why? I've done this enough to get comfortable with it. And that's about the time that God says, time to move on. Well, I just figured this out. Right. Go do something you haven't figured out yet so I can show you how to do it. Because now, when you're operating in what you know, you're doing it with your own ability. And I can't operate in the supernatural in your flesh, in your ability. Get out. We get to that skate park. I'm shaking. My son, he's, he's a scooter-holic, man. He's scootering down them half pipes and ramps. And, and, and I start, I open up the ice chest and put the sign up, tape it up to the ice chest, free. They swarm me like a, I mean, like a host of bees. Just zzz, free, 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 free. We're high, free. We need something to eat. We're free, munchies. We're free, we're thirsty. They're all smoking marijuana out there, I promise you. Doing my best not to get secondhand high. We need some more testimonies like that, Pastor. We say, man, God help me. He put a force field around me. I didn't get secondhand high. A, a force field of faith. And I'm telling you, we, we sold out like that. Gone. <laughs> In minutes. So I just stood out there. I didn't pray for anybody the first time. I just had build relationships, made friends. The next week, God said, okay, time to take the next step. I said, what's that, God? Teach a Bible study out there at the skate park. I said, what? Teach a Bible study. I had no idea. God said, if you'll step out there, I'll show you what to do. I went out there with no ideas how to teach a Bible study at a skate park. Kids smoking marijuana and all sorts of stuff. We got the ice chest. We got more drinks, more rice. I was the Rice Krispie Treat dealer, I'm telling you. Free. They all swarm me. I look and it's like five o'clock and I said, hey, um, that's the first idea God gave me. I said, 530 at 530, we're going, we're going to have a little word from the Bible and then we're going to have a little word of prayer and that's it. It's going to take just a couple minutes. I said, meet me back here at 530. I went around that skate park telling all the kids, meet me over there at Rice Krispie Treat Land over there at 530. They swarmed us at 530, 25 or 30 kids. I gave 25 to 30 teenagers who had never heard the name or the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was able to teach them a Bible study. But then I'm thinking, here, I've preached all over the world, and I don't know how to preach to these people. I know how to preach to y'all saved people and get y'all hyped. Hear, O Israel, the Lord. Yay! I can hoop and holler. I know how to persuade the already persuaded. And that's what I'm sick and tired of. I'm ready to be a laborer in the field of the harvest. 
And so I'm watching these kids and I'm shaking on the inside and I'm thinking, what do I teach these kids? Uh, What Bible study can I give them? And I'm seeing them all falling down, doing tricks, falling over, doing this and that. And the scripture came to me, rejoice not against me, oh my enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I said, okay, that's it. That's my Bible study. Hey, gather up. Had a megaphone. My wife hates that thing. (laughs) Had a megaphone. I don't really need a megaphone, but I loved it. I had a megaphone. I gathered them up. I teach them a Bible study of about three or four or five minutes. I know y'all don't believe I can do that in about a few minutes. And I teach them a Bible study on rejoice. Now, I know you're going through it. I know that you're going through a mess. I know your family's maybe broken apart, but when you're sitting in darkness, uh, the Lord is your light. Uh, You may not even realize it, uh, but someday you need to just open your your Bible and read that light and pray to that light and at the end I prayed for them and I said okay listen I said I want to stay connected with you and if you would like someone to talk to and pray with I want to give you my phone number kids lined up and those kids came up to me and said Chris I'm depressed one kid said I've been thinking about taking my own life my parents are divorced and my family's broken I had kid after kid after kid come to me and say will you pray with me can you be someone I can talk to I've been looking for somebody to talk to. And for eight years, I've been wondering, why are you coming to my church? And for eight years, they've been wondering, why isn't your church coming to my world? I got frustrated after a few weeks. I got to hurry because I I was laboring in a field where I wasn't even from. Laboring in a field I didn't live in. I would call different people and they would say, okay, we're coming, we're coming, we're coming. Yeah, Tuesday, Tuesday evening, we'll be there, we'll be there. Tuesday afternoon would come and I'd start getting text messages about why they couldn't come. And for the first time in my life, I said, this is what pastors go through. (laughs) That was a joke. But I kid you not, I had somebody text me and say, man, he had said, I want to be there so bad. I can't wait till Tuesday. Tuesday comes around. He says, I have to vacuum the sanctuary. I can't be there. Another person says, "Uh, I have to paint my house. These aren't jokes. I'm telling you the truth. My wife is my wit. I was so mad I could say a Christian cuss word. I was so mad. I was talking to my buddy. Y'all know Brother Victor Jackson. And I said, man, I'm so mad. Here we are. We're laboring in a field I'm not from. I mean, and these people are telling me they can't go. They're having to vacuum and they're having to paint and they're having to do laundry. And I'm trying to win souls. And he said, the reason why they're not going is because they don't feel your burden. It's not their burden. It's your burden. He said, you need to post it on social media. I said, no, no, no. I've already made up my mind. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not big on posting on social media. I don't want this to be about me. He said, no, you need to post it. I talked to my pastor. He said the same thing. You need to post it. But Victor said, he said, Chris, when they see your burden, they'll feel your burden. Wow, that's deep. Man, you should preach Youth Congress or something. <laughs> they took my advice. He's going to preach this year, Youth Congress. And uh, 
So I go out there and I do like a Facebook Live, Instagram Live. I don't, I'm so bad at that stuff. And I'm like connecting with teenagers. You know, literally I, I'm going over to them and they're putting their, their little weed thing. I don't know what you call it, weed, whatever, down. And I'm like, hey, man, this is my friend Josh. Yeah, man, he, you know, whatever. And I'm just making fun of them, whatever, just picking on them, you know, having a good time. And then we do a little video of, of the Bible study and the prayer. And my phone starts blowing up. And what's so amazing to me is every time we would leave, I kept telling my wife, this is so easy. Man, this is so, why haven't we been doing this? And, and, uh, and then people were blowing my phone up saying, wow, I've never seen anything like this before. And it just was like a dagger in my heart. Why haven't we seen things like this before? This should be our identity. Going to church should be the rarity almost, you know, where, oh yeah, that's just once a week or that's just three times a week. We do this every day. And so the next week comes around. I didn't invite one person to come with us. I was mad. (laughs) They won't come. I'm done inviting them. Fifteen saints and ministers showed up to help us the next week because they saw the burden when I posted it on social media. And when they saw it, they felt it. Might say, how many got the Holy Ghost? How many were baptized? See, we need to come to a place where the barometer of our success is no longer the revival of the church, but the reach of the church. The revival, the revival of the church is a given. A revival of the church is the result of the reach of the church. Okay, I got Bible for you. And our time is up. Luke 10. Are you ready? Watch this. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. And he sent. This is the same passage of scripture as Matthew 10, but it's got a little twist to it from a different author. He sent them, watch this. I'm gonna bring this back in a couple weeks. So y'all just, well, we're already on this theme tonight. So you just put this in your pipe and smoke it, all right? Watch this. He sent them before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Watch. He sent them where he was about to go. I'm not going to send you or I'm not going to go myself. So when I send you and you don't see the instant results, here I come. I'm on my way. When you've been teaching for six weeks and they hadn't spoken in tongues yet, just take a peek over your shoulder. Your help is on the way. I'm sending you where I'm going to go myself. 
And he said to them, the harvest is great, the labors are few. Okay, we got there. Verse 4, carry neither. Okay, we're good. Verse 9, heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. Verse 10, okay, we already got that. It's, it's, it's the same thing as Matthew 10. Shake the dust off your feet when you're rejected. Six, verse 16, he who, he who hears you hears me. They who reject you reject me. Okay, go to the next verse. And the 70 returned with joy. With all the testimonies. Remember he said, you're going to heal the sick. You're going to raise the dead. You're going to cleanse the lepers. You're going to cast out devils. And here they come with the testimonies. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They went to the world and they came back to church. And it was a testimony service. And they testified. Woo! We saw it all, God. Just like you said it would happen. And he just takes a pen and says, Right in their little balloon. He says to them, Oh yeah, I know. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing nothing shall by any means hurt you. Watch this. Here it is. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in this. Remember I said, we got to get to a place where the barometer of our success is not just the revival of the church, but the reach of the church. They're testifying about the revival. He said, Don't rejoice! In this, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. What's the context here? The context is their obedience to be an apostle, to be apostolic, to be sent, to go into the world. And once they return, he says, your names are written in the book of life. Tributes their salvation to them reaching for someone else's salvation. Here it is, verse 21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced. And we had a good service Sunday night. You see that sister over there? She rejoiced. Woo! You talk about a revival service when Jesus starts running the aisles. You talk, man, it was so powerful. Pastor didn't even have to preach. It was just a runaway service. You talk about a powerful service when you see the king of kings throwing a party and Jesus rejoiced in the spirit saying, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent. The word prudent in the Greek means the cautious and the careful. He said, you didn't tell this direction word of revival to those who are always cautious and those who are always casual and careful and comfortable. But you revealed them to babes. They're not mature enough yet. They haven't been discipled all the way yet. They haven't learned it all the way yet. They're not done growing. They're not done developing. But you and your wisdom, you gave this word of a worldwide revival to babes. Be 
because it seemed right in your sight to hand it to hand it to those that aren't good enough yet to hand it to those that aren't ready yet to hand it to those that have never preached behind the pulpit to hand it to the babes to hand it to those that aren't fully grown yet you don't deserve it you're not good enough you're not worthy but God said I see an apostolic man I see an apostolic woman of God in you yet I see revival in you there's revival in this place there's revival in this place there's revival in this babe of Christ there's revival stand to your feet right now Jesus! I've preached around the world. I made my mom rejoice. I made my dad rejoice. I got to preach this and preach that. I've made my wife proud and I've been proud of myself. But I'm ready to make you rejoice. I'm ready to make you rejoice. I'm ready to make you pleased. And the only way I can please you is when I do what you've called me to do. To go and preach to this lost and dying world. I want everybody just to take a moment. You're dismissed if you need to leave. But if you're here, I want you to close your eyes. Every eye closed, nobody looking around for just a moment. Every eye closed for just a moment. I just want you to sort of rest in his presence. Just meditate in his presence for a moment. Hallelujah. I feel the Lord ministering and speaking even now to somebody in this place. Every eye closed, I want you to listen. As we're praying right now, I see two fields. I see two harvest fields in front of this church. I see two different harvest fields. The field to my left that I can see is a field of those that have backslidden. Those that have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Born again of the water and the spirit. And they have fallen away and fallen asleep. And you have, some of you have nearly killed yourself going crazy trying to 
labor in that harvest field. I see empty vessels who have poured themselves out for that harvest field. You come and you sit and you wait. And you wait. And you wait. While the voice of the Lord is crying, Go ye into all the world. Preach this gospel to every creature. On my right, I see another harvest field that is white and ready, ready, ready to be harvested. This harvest field consists of souls that have never heard this gospel. They've never been born again of the water and the spirit. They've never been filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, baptized in Jesus' name. I see in my spirit right now a church on fire going into this harvest field as an apostolic man and woman of God. And as you reach into this harvest field, the spirit of the Lord begins to reach in the other harvest field. I see as you begin to reach into this harvest field of souls that have never been quickened, awakened in the spirit, the angel of the Lord begins to march into the homes of backsliders. Standing beside the bedside of a child, a son, a husband, a wife that's fallen away, a family that has fallen by the wayside. I see the angel of the Lord marching into that harvest field where you cannot reap. And in your effort to reach those who have never received this word, the Lord says, I will bring those back who has already received this word. While you seek to awaken those who have never been awakened, I will reawaken those who have once fallen asleep, saith the Lord. And as you stand in this sanctuary, you're going to see a reaping of that harvest field walking into this sanctuary of backsliders And you're going to wonder how did they come back? I've prayed for them for years. I've talked to them for years. And the Lord said, it's when you turned your eye to the lost soul that's never received this truth. When you you stuck your sickle into that harvest field that has never received my truth, I sent my angel into that harvest field. Yes, 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 there is a harvest. The altar call tonight is given to those that are ready to go into the field. And when I say go, what I want to happen in this place tonight is I want you to envision yourself marching to that harvest field as you march to this altar. When I say go, it's going to be a spiritual representation of you marching into the harvest field by the authority of the word of God and by the power of the name of Jesus. I release every apostolic in this place go 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 
I speak right now in the name of Jesus. You don't know how to do it. You don't know what to say. But by the power of the name of Jesus, every chain of hesitation is broken. Every chain of doubt is broken. Every chain of insecurity be broken. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is spiritual vision God has given you spiritual vision create a vision in the Holy Ghost come on reach for the Lord reach unto the Lord 